Welcome to the Dulas Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. All right, so today we are, uh, we are continuing our table talk. That's right. And I've got the one and only Joel Cogdale back. Give him What's a up, hand. Guys? How's it going? And the legendary. The legend. Legendary. You like I that? I like that. Kelly Voris. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what you were going to say. I was trying to come up with something new, and then I'm, I need my notes. So, all right. So, oh, there's nowhere to put it because I've got a plate. What am I supposed to do with the plate? Eat pecan pie? Looks yeah. Eventually. Joel, you brought coffee today? Yeah. You got your, your coffee? I got my coffee. All right. So as we're talking about that, um, I think it, one of the things, we've, we've been going through Psalm 23, started it last week. We're going to do that again today. But um, I, I think it's good for us to just kind of be real mm-hmm. and realize that some days, you know, it's not easy just to be all energetic and happy and all that. You need a little pick-me-up. So I see you pouring coffee, yep. but what do you guys go to for little extra energy, a little, little more pep in your step. What do you usually go for? I would say um, chocolate. I'm a huge fan of chocolate. That's, that's a good pick-me-up for the afternoon. Um, <laughs> we all wait anxiously. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I was in the clear, and it just... Good. So chocolate, chocolate. if anybody didn't hear that. Yes, chocolate. That's what I go for. Joel? Yeah, for me, it's it's this right here. Oh, I was trying to drink my mic. Did anybody see that? I went like this. I'm I'm a a failure. Coffee mug. I got my coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Some Diet Coke. Yeah, for me, for me, I go with the real stuff right here. The real stuff. Don't, Don't need to add anything to it. Just a good cup of coffee. Gets me going. Little pick me up, little boost. What about you, man? Diet Coke, but there, it looked like there was a hair in there. Ah, now we're ready to go. All right. So, Kelly, will you just get us started? <laughs> Psalm 23. Let's read the whole thing real yes. quick. Y'all can take out your Bibles. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. All right. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, thanks, Kelly. Joel? Let's jump right in. Go, yeah. go verses three and four for us. Yeah, so uh, I want to spend most of our time in verse four because I think there's a lot there for us. Yeah. But I want to at least uh, look at verse three a little bit because um, I feel like it's the, the epicenter. It, it's, it's the gravitational pull of, of Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And it helps us understand why he would be our good shepherd to begin with. And it... it why he's bringing us peace, why he's bringing us provision. And then in these verses that we're going to see, it helps us better understand um, that there's, why there's this celebration and, and why uh, ultimately goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. And the truth is, why, why this is so important, 
We need to be led in paths of righteousness because we can't stay on the path very long by ourselves. Uh, that's the story of humanity. That's my story. That's your story. That, that, that's, that's all of our stories. And it's like the, the path of righteousness is, is hugging this cliff and, and we can't seem to stay on it without falling off the cliff. And, and the good news from Psalm 23 is that we're finally gonna be led into the path of righteousness in a way that doesn't just have to do with our external moral righteousness. It doesn't have to do with our good works. God wants much more for us than that. He isn't simply trying um, to, to get us to a place where we just try as hard as we can to do what's right so that he won't destroy us or he won't punish us. No, what he wants from us is he wants transformation from the inside out. He, he wants us to be rooted in Christ, uh, a transformation of the heart that ultimately affects us from the inside out, not the outside in. That's good. And how Jesus does that, uh, we're told in John 10. We keep going back to, to John 10. And three times in John 10, it says he lays down his life for the sheep. And, and this laying down of Jesus's perfect life is about getting you and I to righteousness. It's about getting us on the path of righteousness in a way that we're never knocked off that path. And on the cross, Jesus takes all the wrath of God for our sin. And then those of us who believe in Christ, we are given the righteousness of Christ that, that, that is given to us so that now when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, he doesn't see our, our failures, he sees the, the, the perfect Christ. And, and from the world's perspective, that just doesn't make sense. But, but our righteousness, we got to know, it's not as a result of our own efforts, but it's by Jesus's obedience. And, and by faith, his righteousness is counted as our own. That, that's what sets us free. That's what fuels our own obedience. It's, it's the free gift of God's grace. And so as we talk about this, I think we would say, yeah, a lot of people try to earn their own righteousness. But I want to ask you guys, what do you think, like, what's that look like? And, and how do people go about that? Let me go first. Sure. Okay, good. Uh, you know, I think, I think when you, you look at people thinking about righteousness, right? It's a word that I think a lot of times we go, not even sure I know what that means. Righteous is the same word as justice, if that helps you. And it means just right standing before God. So this, how do I have a right standing before God? And we train ourselves to think that we have something to do with that. And so when I look around, like you talk about what does this look like for, you know, teenagers, but really it's anybody, we're trained to think if I do the right things, I'm going to make someone like me more. So when we post on social media, if I post these, these funny memes, or if I post these pictures where I look good, or if I go to enough cool places, or whatever it is, somehow you think, if I can do this and more people like it, I'm making more people like me. And so every religion is this same way with God. So you think of, of Muslims, and they go through all of these different tenets of their faith, saying, I'm going to do these things in order to make Allah love me and accept me into heaven. And Mormons do the same thing. Uh, Jews do the same thing. All of these religions do that. And so what's really different about it is Jesus completely changes that and tells us there is nothing you can do to make, you, make me love you any more or to love you any less. And I, I, I think that what happens for a lot of people is naturally we think, well... You know, if I, if I uh, 
what, if I read my Bible, if I go to church enough times, then God's going to give me what, my, what I want. Like, he's, he's like this, this grandpa who, when I do all the right things, he's going to, you know, give me what I want for Christmas or whatever it is, you know? And so I, I think that's what happens a lot when it comes to righteousness. It's just our nature to think that somehow we've got to make God love us more. Yeah, yeah that's good. Kelly, is there anything you would add to that? Goodness, Matt. Um, so I would definitely echo a lot of the things that you said. I think that we are very much a society that feels like we have to do to succeed. And so if I don't do my quiet time today, if I don't pray to him today, if I don't worship him, then he's not going to love me. And if I do those things, then today we're good, but then it starts all over tomorrow. And I think we get stuck. Um, I saw this really good tweet on Twitter actually yesterday when I was like re-preparing for this, um, for this talk today. So I just want to share it really quick. I thought it was really good. Um, you are not righteous because of your actions. You are righteous independent of your actions. You are righteous because God made you righteous. Mm -hmm. Like God has done it all for you. You don't have to do anything else. He's already done it. Yeah. That's good. So I would ask you guys, so the, the truth that Jesus purchased our righteousness on the cross. How does that change things? Like, what's the role of works for a Christian then? Like, we just said Jesus did all of it for us, but what's that mean? Yeah. So, um, I would say if we look at James, um, he says, faith without works is dead. And then Ephesians 2 even talks about how we're created for good works, yeah. you know? So, we don't have to do the works to achieve victory or to achieve righteousness, but because of what he's done for us, we want to show our gratitude. We want to show other people who, who we glorify and who we serve. Yeah. It, it's just the, it's the natural response from a life that's been changed by Christ. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. All right, Joel, let's keep moving. Go yeah. through verse so, four. So verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I remember when I first came on staff here at Crossroads in 2007, I just was not prepared for the level of suffering and death um, that I experienced early on in ministry. Like yeah. intellectually, I knew that people get in accidents. I, I knew that there's death. I knew that there's funerals, but, but it wasn't until I was in that moment that, that I understood the, just the gravity and the heartache that can follow humanity throughout this world. And this Psalm really helps me appreciate the Bible because the, the Bible never tries to, to lie to us. It doesn't sugarcoat things. It never tries to paint a picture of reality that's inconsistent with our experience. And last week, if you remember, we talked about these truths of God leading us and, and God providing for us and caring for us. And, and then in verse four, things take a little bit of a turn here. It says, even though I walk, and so it's assumed that, that you're gonna walk, I'm gonna walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's been some theological arguments through uh, Christian history about this. So is this is this death itself it's talking about? Um, some people say, no, it, it, it's, it's the shadow of death. It, it's the shadow of the thing, and the shadow can't be the thing. I don't think we really have to choose one way or the other here. I, I think this could be death itself, or this could be, this could be an intense struggle. This could, be, this could be disease. This could be illness. This could be tragedy. I think more than likely that this is a, a dark night of the soul. This is a spell of hopelessness, a, a, a difficult season of life, the kind of God, where are you moments? And we see David have these throughout the Psalms where, where he constantly finds himself in this, in this pit, in this, in this spot, in this valley. And so really what this passage teaches us is that, that ultimately, because you and I will, if we live long enough, we will find ourselves in the, in the shadow of, of the valley of death 
that we're encouraged that we haven't been abandoned to that. In fact, there are a couple of things found in this passage that, that help us navigate the valley. If you look at verse four, it says, I will fear no evil. So now we're gonna hear something that's gonna help us not be afraid of the valley. Now, that doesn't mean that we enjoy the valley. It, it just means we're not afraid of it. It, it, it doesn't mean that, um, that we're not concerned about the possibility of the valley. It just means that, that in the valley, we're not gonna live by fear. And so this next sentence should be pretty powerful if the promise we're gonna get is gonna help us live without fear. And so what he says is, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Again, this takes us back to John 10. And John 10 says, those other leaders, those other shepherds, those other voices, again, whether that be our own inner desires, whether that be uh, other people, whether that be culture, that those, those other people, when the wolves come, so, so when, when, when death comes, when sorrow comes, when pain comes, when violence comes, when it comes, they will flee, they will run, they will abandon us, but Jesus, the good shepherd, will not leave us. And so the promise here we're given is, is not a life without pain. It's that in our pain, regardless of what that pain is, he will be with us. Which means that maybe you're sitting here today and if you think that right now you are just in the darkest moment of your life, you feel forgotten, you feel that, that somehow you've done something that cancels out the righteousness of Christ in your life. You think that God has just turned his attention to something else. I just wanna encourage you with a word from God. You are not forgotten God is with you. God, God is, is with you in the valley, in the shadow of death. He is with you. And that's the promise we get. All other leaders, all other shepherds will abandon us in this moment. Think about it. If, if you believe that having enough money is what's finally going to satisfy your soul, what happens in the, in the, val, in the shadow of the valley of death when, when you can't buy your way out? Okay. What happens is, is your confidence in that shepherd, that the shepherd of wealth, it vanishes. And there you are all by yourself with, with no one to console you, no one to comfort you, no one to be with you. And Jesus is saying, I I'm not like wealth. I I'm not even like you trying to control your own physical health. Like th there's not enough blueberries and kale on planet earth. Th there there's, there's not enough yoga you can do or exercise routines you can get yourself involved in that will save you from the day of trouble. And when that day comes, if you've built your life upon, I'm so going to take care of myself physically. You know, I'm going to rub essential oils all over my feet. You know, I'm going to eat all that is good and all that is organic and all that, that, is, that is wonderful. When that day comes, what are you left with? But again, Jesus is saying, I will never leave you. It doesn't matter what difficulty you face. I'm not going anywhere. And in the darkest moment of your life, if you look up, the one who will be there is the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. That's, that's some good stuff. I hope y'all are listening to that because that's really, really good. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians, I almost said Chronicles, um, 4 verse 8, where Paul says, he says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And I, I, I think that, uh, like when I talk about persecution or suffering, it always reminds me of when I went to India in 2014. And I know that some of you have heard us, me kind of share the story. I'm not going to go into all the details. Um, but they have this persecuted village where these people that had gone out and 
shared the gospel in different areas of India and some really tough situations um, that faced intense persecution. They have this village where they can come back and stay and just kind of heal. And um, so we go to this village and there's eight homes and we go in each one and I'm listening to these people tell stories um, about watching a, a man, watching his wife get raped and his daughters get raped and then watching them all be burnt alive because of, because of him preaching the gospel and him with tears down his face saying, I just, I'm just thankful that God considered me worthy enough to suffer like Jesus did. Hmm. And I'm going, like, I, 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 I've never seen that kind of faith. Yeah. I've never seen the, those kind of things happen before. But it really makes you wonder, like, do you think Christians today have an accurate view of biblical suffering? Like, <laughs> you think we do? I, I don't. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I mean, in... And I don't want to go so far to the other extreme to, to say that, like, we should seek persecution. Yep. We should yep. seek out suffering. Um, I think, you know, a, a poverty gospel is just as dangerous as a prosperity gospel. But I do think we, we become so insulated here and we do relatively live good, comfortable lives that, that, that we don't understand what it means to suffer. We think that, that, any, that being uncomfortable yeah. is, is suffering. You know, we think... You know, it's if if my if my phone battery dies, you know that that like I've had I'm, a bad day. Yeah, I've had yeah. a bad day, and I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. I'm less than twenty percent. Anybody have a portable <laughs> charger? Come on, I really am. <laughs> you know, we, we think that that if 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 they get our order wrong at the restaurant, you know, it's just like oh, I'm I'm, I'm suffering. And, and and I think we've we 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 fail to grasp what it means to suffer for Christ. And I think like you sharing the the story of of being in India. Not, not just um, being so um, conflict-averse, but, but seeing suffering a, as a means of, of glorifying God and having our life changed. Yeah. You want to add anything, Kelly? I would say, you know, we're talking about Christians as a whole, right? Um, but I, I do, like, it comes to mind that there are Christians in America that they might be the first Christian in their family. And so they are yeah. facing a little bit of that persecution, just a little bit, a taste of that. Cause we think, oh, we live in America. We're so safe. You know, we are sheltered. We're in a bubble a little bit, but there are, I know people, I know students that they are the first Christian in their family and they do, there is that tension there because it is different. And that I think they understand a little bit, just a little piece of what that suffering looks yeah. like. Yeah. And just to add on to that, like you bring up a really good point. Like, it's, it's different for everyone. Like, Absolutely. just because you haven't gone through these terrible stories like I saw, yeah. doesn't mean you haven't experienced suffering. Absolutely. But it's that, that, that difference. Like, for me, I look at it and go, like, if 2020 has taught us anything, right? <laughs> We've all lived in this together. Um, it's taught us that, like, we've, we've gone through things where stuff was really, really important to us. And it got all, it all got taken away, you know? And so you look at suffering and you look through tough times and yeah, it is difficult for a senior in the class of 2020 yeah. that didn't get to experience all of these really important things that usually we say define a senior year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 2021's looking and they're like, hey, now <laughs> this vaccine better be coming. Yeah. Like, let's make this happen. <laughs> We're not going to do this. But, you know, you just, 
you just look at it and it, and it makes you wonder, and perhaps Joel, this is a, a question for you, but if we talk about all this, what, what really is the purpose of suffering then? Like yeah. What, and I think that that's the important question because if we can understand the, the why, then, then we can kind of adjust ourselves accordingly. And so I think with suffering, um, it's about conforming us more into the image of Christ. You know, when, when, when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and, or he goes on in his other letters and he, and he lists the sufferings, mm-hmm. or he says like, you know, he lists all of my weaknesses, I'll boast more gladly of my weaknesses, all these things that I've gone through, how can he have that perspective? How can he have that attitude? Because he knows that, that, that suffering makes him more like Jesus. It helps him um, conform his life to be more like Christ. And, and, and when, if that's the goal, then, then we're able to see no matter what happens, okay, like it isn't meaningless. I think that's the danger is we think that this is meaningless yeah. or, or God hates me, but no, when we see it as, okay, th- this, is, this is a refining tool that God is using to get us ultimately to where we need to be, then we can be like, okay, I can accept this. It doesn't mean that I have to like it, but I can accept it. I I know you didn't call on me, but I want to respond. (laughs) Um, I I would also say that, you know, in those seasons of suffering, you know, like you said, suffering looks different for each person. We probably all experience some sort of suffering, right? Um, But I would say that sometimes that's the only way that God can maybe teach us something or could get our attention in those seasons of suffering. Like some of the things that he's taught me and my seasons of suffering, there's no way I would have been ready for that any other way. You know, like he, he needed to get me into that situation, into that valley that we're talking about to really open my eyes to see who he is, the righteousness of Christ and, and help me learn things and become more like him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like, as a parent, you think about how, how to teach your kids something. Yeah. Um, it either, like, w- one of the greatest lessons is either by what you give them or what you take away from them, right? Like, depending on what the lesson is. Like, someone becomes either a greater version of themselves or a worse version mm-hmm. of themselves right. because what was taken away or what was given. Right. You know, and so when you look at, at suffering to go back to India or to go back to the ancient times and really have this Christian worldview of suffering to think about how you look at when I go through the toughest of times, um, it's because God is, God is refining me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like gold refined in fire. It's the, it's the whole thing. What's the difference between a piece of coal and a, piece of, and a, and a beautiful diamond? Mm-hmm. You know what it is? The amount of pressure it yeah. was under, right? Like it really is. It's the time and the pressure that it tasted, or taked, not tasted. That's weird. Taked. I said taked. Took. Good grief, Matt. <laughs> Anyways, but but the the point for us is like, there's going to be times in your life that if you haven't felt like you suffered yet, and everybody in 2020 is feeling like, yes, we've suffered. Okay. But there's such a temptation to go, God, like this is enough. Mm-hmm. I've learned my lesson. Let me, let me move on. Yeah. Like unground me, you know, yeah. like find this way. Um, but I, I'm just, I would encourage you don't run from suffering. Look at it and go, God, what are you trying to teach me here? Yeah. What, what's yeah. the, what's the purpose of this? Absolutely. Um, Cause I truly believe God never wastes any season he mm-hmm. puts us through. Like mm-hmm. he's got a lesson for us here. Yep. And so, so let's learn, let's figure it out. All right. Last, last part, Joel. Yeah. 
if we keep on reading, it's not just that he's with us. The next phrase, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in the, in the, in the shadow of the valley of death, we, we are guaranteed a couple of things. One, he is with us, and two, that he's there to comfort us. Now, that's good news, because if Jesus is with us in the valley, just to kind of recount how we did something wrong uh, in order to get ourselves there, that, that, that's not comfort. But the Bible is saying that, that Jesus is not just there to be with you, but to bring comfort to you. And the way he does that is through the rod and the staff. In some translations, they kind of tie these things together, but really the rod and the staff are two different things. Uh, the rod was like a, a small club that the shepherd would use to, to fend off predators, wolves, uh, attacks against the sheep. And then the staff was used to kind of guide the sheep through difficult terrain. So David's writing in Psalm 23 that in the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus, the good shepherd, will fight for you while guiding you through the difficult terrain. This is how he comforts us. He's not abandoned us to, to navigate ourselves through this life on our own. He is with us. He is comforting us. He is defending us, and he is leading us through. We have not been abandoned. Matt, like you said, God never wastes a moment. He doesn't waste a tear. He doesn't waste any loneliness, hurt, or despair. He shapes us, and he molds us with it. He guides us with it. He makes us more than we ever thought we could be in the valley of the shadow of death. And so it leads me to a question that I think you have to ask, ask yourself if, if you're in the middle of it right now. In this season of difficulty right now, in the valley of the shadow of death, are you turning to Jesus, the good shepherd for your comfort, or have you turned to some other device? Are you checking out? Are, are, are you running to alcohol or are you running to pornography? Are you running to food or are you running to inappropriate relationships? Are you, are you turning to these other places for comfort when the comfort that you most desperately need is not found in any of those things, but it's found in the presence of Jesus? See, I, I know what it's like to experience loss. I know what it's like to, to experience hurt and, and betrayal. But in those seasons, Jesus draws nearer to the sheep. And, and he draws near not to lecture you, to let you know how you should have done things differently, but he draws near to bring comfort by leading and by guiding and by defending. And so I want to specifically encourage you today, if this is the season that you're in, and if it isn't, then I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would place this deep down in your soul so when that day comes, you would be ready. Because there is a disgusting prosperity gospel that can take root in our hearts without us really knowing it, where we begin to think kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier, that if I'm just good, that if I'm just, if I do what's right, then nothing evil is ever going to affect my life. And, and I just want to say to you today with great empathy, this is simply not true. You will and I will in different seasons and at different times, we will enter into this valley that honestly we'd rather not be in, but he will be with us. He will protect us. He will guide us and he will get us through it. I love hearing that. And I, I, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories. We've been to the place where this happened together in Galilee. Mm. Um, but the story of Peter, right? Like when you hear about Jesus kind of being this gentle shepherd that's guiding and leading his sheep, it reminds me of when Jesus restored Peter. Here's Peter. He made terrible mistakes. He denied Christ three times, privately and publicly. Like, big deal. And Peter's at this point where he feels like I'm useless. I can't, can't do it anymore. I'm just going back to fishing. So he goes back to the Sea of Galilee, starts fishing. 
that's when Jesus shows up and they're like, it's the Lord. Peter jumps out into the water, swims up to the shore. Jesus is cooking breakfast and they're having this meal. And then you could just kind of tell, I'm reading into the text here, but you can just kind of tell something's wrong with Peter, right? Like Jesus knows that because he's the good shepherd. And so he takes Peter off by himself and he doesn't lecture Peter about how big he'd messed up. Like for me, that's the, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it wasn't Jesus going, Peter, you have any idea what you did? Mm-hmm. Like I set you up as the leader, man, and you failed me publicly. Like you're my number one guy. You went from wanting to, to cut a guy's head off <laughs> earlier in the night now to denying that you even knew me. Like he doesn't go through any of those speeches. He simply asks him the same question three times. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And um, I love that Jesus' qualification for Peter was just, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And um, That's good. You know, I, I, I think, well, I guess I'll ask you guys, like, when, when, when you look at the story, when you think about Psalm 23, how do you believe God's presence removes our fear of evil? Like, when you think of his rod and staff comforting me, even though I'm walking through the valley, I fear no right. evil. How, how does that happen? Like, how can, how can us understanding God's presence change the way we respond to difficulty? I'm going to go first this time. Nice. Okay. Um, I would say, you know, we, we were given the Holy Spirit. You know, Christ had to leave to give us the Spirit, and we have the Spirit within us if we're believers. And I think that he absolutely guides us and helps us. And, um, you know, I love that picture of the rod and the staff, that he protects us from enemies, but yet still guides us and, and gets us through those rough things. Um, you know, even being very transparent, looking at my own life, like I, I feel like I'm currently in a valley, if I'm being honest. Um, but I am able to look back on maybe other valleys of my life and see how faithful Christ has been, um, knowing that he's going to get me through the current valley that I'm in. Um, and just knowing he, he is faithful to his children. You know, yeah. he's going to take care of us. Yeah. So that's, that's comfort. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, like the, the word confidence comes to mind. And I think like myself as a parent, like knowing how fearful my kids can get, but then if, if, if I do it with them, like they're good, whether it's, it's riding a roller coaster that they're yeah. scared of. It's like, no, I'll, I'll sit next to you, you know? And, and that, that does, it, it brings a comfort. There, there's comfort in the presence or, um, you know, going to bed at night, you know, I'm, I'm scared of the dark, I'm, yeah. I'm scared of nightmares, whatever. Well, I'll, I'll lay here with you and that makes all the difference. Like it, it's not this elaborate thing. Well, I'll do this, this, and this. No, you just have to be there with them. And there's this confidence that comes, like you said, you know, so now when you, when you find yourself in the valley, you know, I'm going to get through this. Yeah. Again, we go back. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's going to be fun. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I'm going to get no. through it because Jesus is there with me. Yeah. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you know, I, I would say to all of you, as we kind of wrap up today, like, if you're not in the valley right now, like if this isn't, oh man, I'm listening to these people and I'm going, oh, why are they, why are they such downers? <laughs> um, that's fine. But if you are, it applies to all of us, okay? Like the big lesson we want you to understand is like there's nothing too difficult for God. Mm-hmm. Like no, no matter how dark that valley looks, whether you're in it now or like Joel said earlier that this is, 
This is planted deep down in your soul and you're gonna face it later on in life. Like there's no terrain too difficult for the shepherd to lead you. There's no situation that comes up. There's no enemy that's coming in from the side that his, his rod and staff will not protect you in those valleys. And so what I hope that you get out of this is that you learn to just simply rest in the fact that God is with you. Um, you remember the very last thing that Jesus said to his disciples at the end of the Great, great Commission? He told them, he said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And it's such a beautiful picture for us that you have a God who's with you nonstop. He leads you in path of righteousness for his name's sake, not yours. And uh, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, you have nothing to fear. Fear no evil, for he's with you. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Do Loss Youth. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.